listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. Well, Northside, I want to take a moment today and just look back, to look back to this past week. And uh, I don't only want to do that because the Chiefs beat the Raiders by one and they come from behind victory 30 to 29, right? Uh, That'd be fun to look back to. I mean, we could celebrate that. But maybe not everybody, like my brother Heath, would be real excited about that. So that was on Monday night. I'm going to look back a little bit further. Let's go back to last Sunday. And if you're new with us, maybe you weren't here last Sunday, maybe this will be a chance to kind of get caught up on a couple things. If you were with us, this can be a chance to be reminded of a few things. Because it was last Sunday that we were focusing on the heart of Jesus, which is that we share the gospel with people. That we share the gospel liberally, indiscriminately, generously. We share the gospel with people. This is the heart of God. The gospel means good news. The good news that Jesus, God in the flesh would come down to earth and he would live a sinless life and he would pay the price for our sins and he would raise from the dead, be ascended into heaven and that we could have freedom and we could have our sins forgiven by putting our faith and belief in him. This is the good news that Jesus wants to go to each and every single person. And we were looking at Mark chapter four, where a sower, as Jesus describes him, is sowing seed and he's throwing it indiscriminately, generously representing the word of God, going into the soil that represents the hearts of people. And this guy is just sowing. And why is it? Why is he sowing so generously? Because he doesn't know the condition of the soil. He doesn't know what's going to land on good soil and what's not. And so his job is just to sow. God will make things grow. His job is just to cultivate. God is the one who will germinate. God will do the growing if we are just obedient and trust him with the results. We, we read this text from Mark 4, 26 to 29. And it's the text where Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stock, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. God makes things grow. We're just faithful and plant the seeds. Those of us who were here last week, Charlie Spencer came and he did some training for us, for those who came back for the training. And in that training, he told a story about his little girl. She was five years old, blonde hair, blue eyes. They go to the park, their whole family, he and his wife, their kids are at the park. And one of the purposes of being at the park was so that they could pray with people and they could share the gospel with people that were open to that. They encounter this massive guy. He's 6'6", 320-pound black man there at the park. And as they offer to pray for him and visit with him, his little five-year-old girl, blonde hair, blue-eyed, they could not be more opposite extremes of the spectrum. She tells this gentleman that she wants to show him something called the three circles. She wanted to draw it out. If you were here last week, you saw where we gave you a memorable, simple, reproducible tool to share the gospel with someone. And I modeled this and showed it up on the screen. And if you weren't here last week, you just go to YouTube, Northside Christian, and you can watch that. 
And it's called the three circles. We even have some cards in our Next Steps room out here that would show you kind of the big picture of that. But she, she began to draw this as a five-year-old can on this card and started showing it to him. When she got done with the three circles, Charlie said, this 6'6", 320-pound man just fell to his knees broken, saying that he believed in Jesus and he needed him as his Lord and Savior. And Charlie said to everybody that was in that room last week, he said to us, he said, do you think she shared the gospel as articulately as Wayne did on the screen for us just now? He's like, no, she's five years old. But God is the one that prepped that soil so that the minute the gospel came to him, he was ready to receive it and to believe it. So often you just put so much pressure on yourself to think that this is about you and what you do and what you can do. And no, we're just obedient. And we scatter the seeds of the gospel. And God is the one who makes it grow. God is the one that preps people's hearts to receive it. We just want to do what he says to do. This is why we share this. And so last week with this three circles that I introduced to you, it was kind of fun because my life group uh, this week on Wednesday, we just took turns going around the group and everybody just kind of did the three circles. It looks like this on the screen. Everybody just kind of took a turn. It was so awesome just to watch each person do it in their own style, in their own way, and just communicate it the way they would communicate it to someone. In our training last week, we did this as well, and people began to just practice and and share some of these things with someone else as well. I I just want to report on that since we're looking back to last week for a moment. 85 people came to our training yesterday afternoon saying, man, we want to... We want to learn what it, what it really looks like to make disciples, to be disciple makers. It was so encouraging as we gathered together. And, and one of the things I just want to share with you is we're going to offer another training. And it's going to happen on November 6th. So this is just in a couple weeks. Same time, 2.30 to 5.30 on a Sunday afternoon. We're going to offer it. And so session one that we did last week, here's what I want to announce. Because we had so many people say they missed it and wanted to come because of one reason or another. We're going to offer it again. And so session one will be offered on November 6th, 2.30 to 5.30. We'll probably do it in our next steps room, which is just right out here in our central lobby. And so we're going to do again what we did last week. And then for those of you who came last week, the 85, we're going to have session two. So you can kind of put some feet to what we talked about, put some things into practice. And so we're going to be doing that for you up in M1 is where we'll gather for that on November 6th. So I just want you to write that down. November 6th, put it in your calendar right now on your phone, 2.30 p.m. We're going to do some disciple-making training. And here's why you got to be there is because that is daylight savings time. You, you fall back an hour, like you get an extra hour that day of sleep, I mean, you're going to be like, what do I do with this? I don't even know what to do with this. And uh, so we're going to be like, well, come here for some disciple-making training on that day at 2.30 as we do that. And I just want to ask you this as well. Um, this last week, those of you who are here, did you take an opportunity to enter into the harvest field and to pray for somebody? Did you have an opportunity maybe to share your story or your testimony, your faith, with someone this week? Did God provide you some opportunities? Did you seize that? Because this week I, I was getting stories from people through email and through text and other people that were experiencing this in just a powerful way. I, I know that I got a text from Caitlin Lamming who already the next day on Monday, she's like, hey, in our training when we did the 411 about all of that, she goes, I got to share that with somebody on Monday and got to walk them through that so they too can help make disciples. 
Caitlin Lamming, she announced to me that on October 20th, that's this week, this Thursday, she's going to do 17 hours of prayer and worship at her house from 7 a.m. till midnight. She's got some specific worship times set and people coming to pray, and she's just opening that up to invite you to come and pray and to be a part of that in any way. We can get you that address and share all that information with you if you would like it, but that'll be on October 20th, the day she's planning for that. I know Lori in our office, she said she'd been praying specifically for a neighbor, just specifically praying for them. And there happened to be a day she was outside, the neighbor drives by, rolls that down the window. In, the, in that process, she had the opportunity to pray with her about some things that were just going on in her own life that she desperately needed pray for, prayer for. It was an answer of prayer for Lori. I know Angela went and sat at the Cox Health parking lot, staring up at the ninth floor window and just prayed for everyone there, the doctors, the nurses, the cafeteria staff, the loved ones, the patients. And I'm looking forward to hopefully one day she can share her story with you. Sunday afternoon, I'm talking to Kim Hugh. He's from Cambodia. And Kim was telling us a story how he invited all of his neighbors for a block party at his house. So he'd get to know them, know their names. He could pray for them. Uh, if opportunities present themselves, he'd share the gospel with them. So he was just telling about the day and said he, he grilled. I'm like, man, you grilled for all those people? He's like, yeah. Brian King, who was with me, sent me this picture of him out there. Brian had taken it because he was there at the party. And that's uh, Kim Hugh uh, grilling. And uh, I was like, man, that takes some guts to grill for everybody. He's like, yeah, I had never grilled before. I'd never grilled before. I'm like, are you, are you serious? You grilled for your whole neighborhood? And you know, he goes, I watch a lot of YouTube videos. A lot of YouTube videos. I'm like, well, how did it turn out? He's like, great. It went great. And I'm like, well, then you're a better griller than I was the first time I did it. So there he is just doing that with his neighborhood. Why? Because he's building relationships. He could pray and share the gospel with, with people. And I know there's more stories like this. And a little bit later, I'm going to talk to you about that, how maybe we can share this together. Because it inspires us. It encourages us to do what we know Jesus wants us to do. It's why we look back and talk about these things. In fact, I remember a couple, a month or two ago, I was talking to Corey, our worship leader, about the text that we're in right now. And we were just talking about this stuff. And we were talking about Mark chapter 4, you know, sowing seed. And we talked about a text, we talked about a couple weeks ago, where, where Peter is told by Jesus to go into the deep water and to throw his net there. He'd already fished all night, didn't catch anything. And so Peter goes into the deep water to throw his net out and Corey said something, and I was just like, wait, Corey, I'm going to write that down. I want to get this. It's so good. And Corey just said this. He says, I will cast gospel seeds liberally wherever. I don't even know the types of soil because I trust the process Jesus established. He said, I will cast a net into waters that don't make sense to me that have not produced in my past. But I will cast this net because Jesus said so, and I will trust him. I thought that was so good that we're to cast gospel seed everywhere we go. It's why in Romans 10, 13 through 15, it says everyone who calls, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call if they have not come to know the one that they believe in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone proclaiming, preaching to them? And how can anyone preach or proclaim it unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that's what this whole series is about, is that we would go, we would tell, we would make disciples, we will sow gospel seeds, that we would do this because everyone needs to hear the good news. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. 
And what I want to share with you today is something that I come across years ago where it said everyone from A to Z, it used the alphabet to start saying everyone from A to Z needs to hear the gospel. And it went kind of like this. A, the gospel's for ambulance drivers, accordion players, animal rights activists, astronauts, acrobats, astrologers, adulterers, addicts, atheists, and abortionists. B means the gospel's for blondes and brunettes and old ladies with blue hair. The bold and the beautiful, the beat up and the burnout, the bullied and the bullies, people who are brave, busy, bossy, bitter, boastful, bored, for Bieber, and those who are believers. See, the gospel is for crystal meth, meth junkies, D's for drag queens, E's for Elvis impersonators, F, the gospel's for the faithful and the faithless, the fearful and the fearless, and people from Fiji, Finland, and France. G, the gospel's for greedy Guatemalan gynecologists. (laughs) H, the gospel's for the homosexual and people who are homophobic and all homo sapiens in between. I, the gospel is for IRS auditors. (laughs) J's for late night talk show hosts named Jimmy, Fallon or Kimmel, and people who eat Jimmy Dean. K means the gospel is for Khloe Kardashian, Kourtney Kardashian, and Kim Kardashian. L means the gospel is for people in Laos, some people who are feeling lousy, those who are ludicrous and ludicrous, for ladies and Lady Gaga. The gospel is for ministers, missionaries, meter maids, people who are malicious, meticulous, mischievous, and mysterious, people who collect marbles and people who lose their marbles. And Miley Cyrus. The gospel's for ninjas and nudists and nose pickers. Obstetricians, orthodontists, optometrists, and ophthalmologists. P's for pimps and pornographers and pedophiles. And Q for the Queen of England, rest her soul. The members of the band Queen and Queen Latifah. The gospel's for the people of Rwanda, as well as the rebels who committed genocide against them. S means the gospel is for strippers and stilettos, T's for truckers and tea rooms, and U is for the United States, the United Kingdom, and the United Arab Emirates, for Ukrainians, Uruguayans, the unemployed, even umpires, even blind baseball umpires. V means the gospel is for vegetarians in Virginia Beach, for vegans in Vietnam, and people who eat lots of vanilla bean ice cream. W means the gospel's for waitresses who work at Waffle House and Weight Watchers who hide watchamacallits in their windbreakers. X means the gospel's for x-ray technicians. Y means the gospel's for you. And Z means the gospel's for zoologists who are preparing for the zombie apocalypse. A to Z, the gospel's for everyone. And last week we said this, we will share the gospel. Can you say that with me? We will share the gospel. One more time. We will share the gospel. You're going to see the pathway of Jesus here in a minute of what we're trying to do. But today what I want to do is I want us to talk, I want us to look up for a moment. I want us to talk about something else. It's not just we will share the gospel. But today I want us us to focus on this. We will make disciples. Can you say that with me? We will make disciples. We will make disciples. Jesus gave gave us this commission in his last instructions while he was on earth to his disciples in Matthew 28. Where he told us to go and to make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've 
commanded you. This was his commission to us. Every one of us is to be a disciple maker. We are to make disciples. And the early church actually did it. They did this. And, and just to follow along with this, I want us to open a Bible or device today to Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 14. Then we'll read a little bit from Acts 19. But I, I just want to give a big overview today, a big picture view of these two chapters. And then we'll read a couple of scriptures together. And so as you're following along, you might be able to see this, that in Acts chapter 13, Jesus has now died risen from the grave, ascended into heaven, given his instructions. We come to Acts chapter 13. And Acts chapter 13 begins with a church that is worshiping the Lord and they're praying and they're fasting. And as they're doing this, they are prompted by the Holy Spirit of God to send two men out from them. It's going to be Saul and Barnabas to go do the work to which God has commissioned them to do, the grace of the work which he wants them to do. And so they do this and they fast, and they pray, and then they send Saul and Barnabas out to go make disciples. These are the first missionaries being sent out from a church who is mission-minded, who's going to take the gospel to other people. And in Acts chapter 13, here's what we see there, that in verses 14 through 50 of Acts 13, here's the first, one of the first places they go. They travel to a place called Pisidian Antioch. They're there from July to September of 48 AD, so several months. Paul preached in the synagogue. The next Sabbath, the entire town shows up. And he speaks to them. Many believed. And then they faced a lot of opposition and they're thrown out of that city. And so they move on. In Acts 13, verses 51, all the way to chapter 14, verse 5, this time period is from October of 48 AD to February of 48 AD, so several months, they're in Iconium. A number of Jews and Greeks believe. They believe in Jesus. But those who rejected his message, they came after him. And when Paul discovered, both from the Jews and the Greeks, they had a threat to stone him, he leaves. Acts chapter 14, verses 6 through 19, he's, he's now in Lystra from March until June of June of 49 AD. So for several months, he's there in Lystra. And some disciples believed. But some of the Jews from the area had come and they stirred up opposition against him. And so when they did that, they stoned him, leaving him for dead. When they leave him for dead, this is perhaps one of the great miracles of Scripture. It tells the disciples gathered around Paul and he got up. This could be a resurrection could be a healing from God, but he gets up and he walked back into the city and then he leaves for Derby. In Acts chapter 14, 20 to 21, this is June of 49 AD. He's there in Derby for some time and it just tells us that he won many disciples while he's in Derby. To get a picture of what we're talking about here, here's a map of that area. He starts in Antioch, which is right here on the far right of your screen. Goes through the Mediterranean Sea. You can see Perga up there. He goes to Perga. And then then he he goes up to Pisidian Antioch. It's up there in the north. And from there he goes to these cities that we just talked about. Iconium, Lystra, Derbe. Making disciples along the way as he goes. We will make disciples. It's what he's doing. And then once he gets to Derbe, he's going to go back to those same cities. Back the opposite direction that he came to strengthen those disciples. He's going to launch churches and leaders. It's just, it's what he does. And he's going to go all the way back to Antioch, 
to tell the church there about what God is doing through all of this. And so I want us really quick just to stand together as we read God's word and hear what Paul did. So let's stand together to our feet as we read the scriptures. We're going to read from Acts 14, 21 to 28. It's summarizing the entire process of Paul's first journey. And it's summarized right here. This is his first missionary journey. Talking about Saul and Barnabas, it says, They preached the gospel. And, and those of you who have been in this series with us, you're going to start hearing some words that we've been talking about. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in every church. And with prayer and fasting, committing them to the Lord in whom they'd put their trust. And after going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they'd been committed to the grace of God for the work that had now been, they had now completed. And on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he'd opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Lord, I just pray that your word, which shows us the pathway of what it looks like to make disciples, that Lord, your word would be received by our hearts. We would have good soil to receive it, to hear it, to obey it. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us right now so that we know what it's like to make disciples. We can learn how we can be on mission with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as you look at the pathway of, of Paul, it was formerly Saul and Barnabas, what you see is by the end of this very first journey, they already have four new churches. In fact, probably more because they were at other places preaching the gospel as well. They have at least four new church starts. And what you're going to notice is there's this pathway that they follow that's the same pathway we've been talking about. In fact, I want to put this graphic up here that we call the four fields. And this is what Jesus did to make disciples. It's what the early church did to make disciples. It's what Saul and Barnabas are doing right now to make disciples. They would enter, they would enter into a new harvest field, a new place. They would go to a new place. And then they would proclaim the gospel. They would share the good news of Jesus. They would share the gospel. People who believed, they would make disciples. And once they made disciples, they would form churches. And those churches would raise leaders who would enter into harvest fields and share the gospel. It's just a process we see in Paul's first journey. We see it in his second journey as well, when he goes back to Derby, Lystra, Iconium, and eventually to Macedonia. And then we see it in his third journey, three missionary journeys that, saw, that Paul goes out on and his third journey starts in Acts chapter 18. It goes through chapter 21. It's around four to six years that he's in this journey in what is minor, Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And I want to read to you from Acts 19, 8 through 10, to show you on this third journey what Paul has to say about what happened. And it tells us in this text that that Paul entered the synagogue and he spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate and they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him, had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. And this went on for two years. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia 
heard the word of the Lord. I want you to read that again. So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, that's modern day Turkey, they heard the word of the Lord. All of them. We're talking like 2 million people plus. It's a minimum of 2 million people in that part of the world and at that day. But Paul, the question is, how did he do this? Because Paul's in the lecture hall. And it says he stays there in that area of Ephesus in the lecture hall for two years, teaching and proclaiming. So how is this getting to all of Asia Minor to 2 million plus people? That's the question. Because 2 million plus people weren't coming to him in the lecture hall. That's not how it happened. And he wasn't going to them either. So how did this happen? Because Paul was making disciples who were going out and making disciples, and they were going into modern-day Turkey. They were doing, in fact, here's a map of modern-day Turkey to this area. And, and just so you know that this entire area of Turkey that, that he says heard the word of the Lord at that time, just so you know, Paul's not exaggerating like, well, look what I did. I spread the gospel to all of Asia Minor, you know, that kind of thing. Just so you know, it's not just him saying it. If you look down in your text to Acts chapter 19, verse 26, it says even Paul's enemies who were saying he's leading people astray were like, he's leading all these people astray over the whole province of Asia. Even they were saying the same thing. Even they were acknowledging what was happening. And the reason this was happening was not because Paul was doing it himself. It's because he was making disciples who were making disciples. They were starting churches. It's because every person was involved. And, and I think what we need to recognize today is there is a difference between traditional ministry, the way we often see it and know it, and disciple-making movements. It's very different. In traditional ministry, you have a few people doing some of the work all the time, right? In traditional ministry, you have a few people doing some of the, doing all the work some of the time. But in a movement, in a movement, we see something else at work. It's a lot of people doing a little bit of work all the time. That's what a movement of disciples is. It's a lot of people doing a little bit of work all the time. And what we are going for is a movement. People who say we will make disciples. Because when you look at the scriptures, in fact, when you open up to the book of Revelation, the last book of our Bible, and you read about the seven churches there, and you're reading about Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum and Thyatira and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea, and you realize that most of them were likely started from that two-year ministry of Paul as he was sending out disciple-makers to go out to launch and start these churches. So that Paul was able to say in Acts 19, nearly every person has heard a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus in all of Turkey, modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor at the time. If that can happen there, the question is, why couldn't that happen here? Greene County has estimated in 2022 303,000 people plus. And if you say, as we were in our training last Sunday, we were guessing, okay, what if 75% of people don't, are not in a personal relationship with Jesus? Well, that leaves 227,000 lost people who need a clear presentation of the gospel. They need seeds sown into their lives. How's that going to happen if we don't multiply by making every single member of a, a disciple maker. We've got to reclaim the priesthood of all believers. This is about all of us going. We're not going to reach 227,000 people by them all coming in here. It's going to be when we go there and we start sharing the gospel there. 
You see, our vision is to multiply self-initiating, reproducing, fully devoted followers of Jesus. Let me say that again. Our vision, our dream, what we want is that, that we would multiply self-initiating, reproducing, fully devoted followers of Jesus. We'd be a church that is on mission because we all are saying we will make disciples. We will make disciples. You see, a disciple-making movement is obedience-based discipleship. It's not just learning what God says or what Jesus wants. It's actually doing it. It's obedience-based discipleship that sees disciples reproducing disciples and and leaders reproducing leaders and churches reproducing churches and movements reproducing movements. It's about disciples making disciples. There was a survey that was done that showed that only 1% of church leaders felt like they were doing very well in discipling new and young believers. Only 1% of them felt like they were doing well with that. However, 9 out of 10 believers said that if their church gave them a clear pathway of what this would look like, not only to be a disciple, but to make disciples, they would, they would give an honest effort for that. That They would in, engage with that. If only, if only we would help people to grow to maturity, where they could see that they have a role in the kingdom of God, that they are to reproduce, that they are not just to be a disciple, they're to make disciples. If only we could do that and multiply and fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave us to go into all the nations, then we, we would recognize there is a gap between God's intention for his church of making disciples and the sober reality we're living in where so many Christians have never done it. They've never made another disciple. They've never reproduced with someone else in this way spiritually. There's a gap there that that Jesus wants to close. And I just want you to know, as a church, we are committed to this, to helping close that gap where we all are empowered and trained and equipped to make disciples. We're no longer watching as observers it happen. We are participants involved in it. This is what Jesus longs for us. So will you become a disciple of Jesus by making disciples? Will you be a disciple maker? My prayer is that you would say yes to that. We will make disciples. And I know one of the ways that can be helpful is when we just tell the stories of people who are people who are just being obedient to what Jesus tells them to do. and Stories have a way of encouraging you, inspiring you. Stories have a way of even training you. When you're like, wow, I could do that. Stories have a way of also realizing that ministry's hard and not all the time are we successful. And sometimes we just fall flat on our face and we try and it just doesn't go well. You know, we need those stories too. It's not just encouraging to you whenever you hear someone tell this amazing story and you're just like, wow, I would love to have a story like that. That sounds impossible. Sometimes it's nice when someone gets up here and tells their story and you're like, oh man, um, yeah, that happens to me too. Or uh, yeah, I'm glad that, I'm glad they're not perfect either. And we need those stories too. And the reason for this is because the early church used stories. They told the stories. In fact, in the text we read earlier, I'm going to come back to it right now. In Acts 14, 27, this is what Paul did, in fact. After they went to these places and made disciples and started the journey, they come back 
In Acts 14.27, they come back to Antioch, to the sending church. It says they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them. They didn't gather the church together and say, hey, look at us, look how good we did. They told the stories of what God did through them. What they did and how they were involved and how God moved and how God worked. And it inspired the church and encouraged the church. So the church kept sending them out and sending other people out. Because stories do that. It promotes disciple making. That's why I began this message even just telling you a couple stories I heard just from this week. Just to look back and share the stories. In fact, this is something we want to do more as a church. And so what that means is we need to hear the stories. You have them, you share them with people. We don't always hear them where we can share them collectively as a church. So we're giving you some ways to do that so you can share your stories. One of those ways right now is uh, you can text your stories to us. Uh, this text number that's on the screen, this is the number we use for everything. When you check in, when you text to give, when you, whatever it is, when you sign up for stuff, we say sign up using this word to this number. This is the number. This should be in your phone. Like this should be a contact in your phone that just says like NCC text or Northside or something. It should be kind of, so if you don't have it, go ahead and get your phone out and just create a new contact. Put this number in so you don't have to remember the number. You should put Northside in there. But you can text a story. Maybe it's someone you prayed for this week and God opened a door for you to pray for them in person and you just ask them, can I pray for you? Or maybe you just entered into the harvest field and just to see who God would have crossed your path so you can minister to them, help meet a need or pray for them. We want to hear these stories. So you can text it to this number. Another way is you can email it to this email address, just amen at northsidechristianchurch.net. Just email amen at northsidechristianchurch.net. Tell us a story. We even have a link on our website. It's on our discipleship page. So on our website at northsidechristianchurch.net, we've got a disciple-making page, and you can just click on that to just share your story with us. But we just want to share more stories of, of just ways in which we're doing these things. And so if it's enter the harvest field, maybe it's just a story of how you just went to a place where you thought there's people here that need Jesus, and you just went. If it's sharing the gospel, maybe there was a chance for you just to share your own story with someone, the difference Jesus has made in your life, and so you just want to tell us about it. Maybe there was a time when you actually saw someone believe and repent. They were baptized into Christ, even like what you saw today. You can share a story about their journey to know Jesus. Maybe for you, it's a, it's a story of you got to be a part of helping make form a church and, and see other believers gather together for the purpose of studying God's word and growing together. We want to hear the stories. Maybe it was training someone else to raise up leaders who would do this. We want to hear those stories. Because we are told to go. Make disciples. Can we just say that again? We will make disciples. Say that. We will make disciples. That is our prayer. That is our goal. And I just want to close with this thought. And I don't share this as a way to threaten, as a way to scare, anything like that. It's not the intent. But I just want to close with this thought about the heart of God and why he wants us to go. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is now ascended into heaven, given the great commission. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, here's what he, he says in, in that chapter. This is the directive he gave to his followers. He tells them, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and you're going to be my witnesses 
from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1.8. You're going to make disciples. You're going to witness for me in all these places and to the ends of the earth. Someone once pointed out to me that it does seem that in the beginning the church seems slow. There is a process, but seems slow in fulfilling that. Like it was in Jerusalem for quite a while. Judea hadn't gone beyond that. And then in Acts, the book of Acts, we get to chapter 8, verse 1. It's kind of interesting. Acts 1, 8, you're going to be my witnesses in all these places, the ends of the earth. Acts 8, 1, persecution comes. The apostles stay there in Jerusalem, but all the disciples were scattered. One way or another, God is going to make sure that his gospel gets out to the nations. And sometimes, and I think the question is, is if we won't go on our own, are there times that maybe he just sends us, scatters us? Christians fleeing persecution here land somewhere else. And guess what? There are lost people there who need to know Jesus. And they find themselves right there in the harvest field where God wanted them to go all along. And the way this person said it to me was, if you don't Acts 1-8, God might just Acts 8-1 you. If you don't Acts 1-8, you might just get Acts 8 one That's kind of how he said it. You don't Acts 1-8, you're probably going to get Acts 8 one Why? Because there's people that need to spend eternity with Jesus. And he wants them in his presence. And what he wants of us is that we would go we would make disciples. We'd be faithful. We'd be obedient. And we would share seeds of the gospel. That's our prayer. So Northside, as you stand to your feet right now, I want, I want us to pray together. We want to pray this, and then we're going to sing this. We're going to sing about it. Because our goal is that every person would know Jesus. Because ultimately, every person who knows Jesus, you... You get to experience eternal life. Not just now. We're already experiencing it, those who know Jesus. We've already experienced a spiritual resurrection in our lives, but for all of eternity, just to know that there's a place where there's no more pain, where mercy fills the streets. There will be a day when all will bow before him. And those who bow before him, those who bow before him, we want them bowing in that moment because they've already been bowing before him making him the Lord and Savior of their lives, where every prayer that's prayed in desperation, the songs of faith that we've sung in doubt and fear while here on this earth, in that moment, it'll be realized it was worth it. It was worth it when we see Jesus face to face. That's our goal. So because of that, we will make disciples. That's our prayer. And so church, if you're here today and you're listening right now and you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you're here today, you want to pray with someone because you, God's already putting someone on your mind that you have been positioned to be light to them and you want to pray for that, I'd love to pray with you. If you want to become a member of this church, I'm going to be stepping out to decision point through these double doors. I would love to see you right out here. Visit, pray, talk with you there. But no matter what, wherever we are right now, even if you're watching online, we can leave. We can go from here and make disciples. We will make disciples. Also, if you're in this room today, as you leave... This is a chance for you in an act of worship to give to the Lord. Put him first in your life. There's boxes at the back of the room. And whether you're here or watching online right now, you can see on your screen ways to text or to give your offering online. We encourage you to do that as well. But Jesus, we're just calling out to you now, knowing we know your heart's desire. 
we've received this command to go and to make disciples. As we're going to make disciples of all people, of all nations. Jesus, I pray that we'd be obedient to you in this way. That we would step out in faith knowing that each and every one of us have been called to this. We are disciples who make disciples. Jesus, would you do a work in us and move in us this week and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll meet you right over here. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.